Hey everybody, thank you for coming along today. Today's topic, grace and the big debt. Oh yeah, do you ever owe anyone a debt? Someone owe you a debt? (laughs) Did grace ever play a part in that? I'm glad you came along today because I think I got something that can help all of us, even me. Oh yeah, we all need help in this area. In our series, Lessons of Grace. You know, people do all kinds of things that are hurtful to one another. Children do it. Young people do it. You know what? Even mature adults do that. Ain't that a kicker? Those that are considered to be mature adults, they still do things to hurt one another. Go figure. Things that we do go from stealing a candy bar to bullying to serious crime. And what this does, it makes us all indebted to one another. Oh, and especially to God. We're going to take a uh, look at a scene today in Luke chapter 7, where a woman who was not only what the Bible called a sinner, she was a notorious sinner, well-known sinner, as you will see. And you know what she did? She came to Jesus. So let's set the scene. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Try to put yourself in that place the best you can. Here's what it says. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, it's believed that she was a prostitute. And prostitution is a serious sin. It breaks up marriages, if one happens to be married. Uh, It also destroys the soul. Did you know that sexual sin destroys the soul? Oh, yeah. And you know what the soul is? The inner you. If your soul is a mess, the rest of you is going to be a mess. The Bible says in Proverbs 6.32, pay attention. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. In other words, that's a polite way of saying, you're not too smart, okay? You're in the dumb line. When you commit adultery, you're standing in the line where all dumb people stand. He who would destroy himself does it. That's the path of destruction. That's what he's saying. Very right to the point. Adultery is the road to destruction. Okay? So, here's a lady that was in the business of sexual sin. And these people, they were outcasts of society, along with the lepers and the tax collectors. But wait! It says that when she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial or perfume. Now, alabaster is a stone, so it was a stone jar, 
Okay, it was a stone carved out in the middle with a cork on top, so to speak. Okay? And it was very expensive. Oh, yeah. And standing behind him at his feet, she was weeping. What is weeping? Weeping is the outflow of sorrow. When sorrow wells up inside someone so much that it pours out. It pours out of the eyes. So picture, she's standing behind him at his feet. Jesus is reclining. They reclined on little sofa types in those days, ate off a coffee table. She's standing at his feet. She has an outflow of sorrow. And she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. What was she doing there? And how did she know about Jesus? I mean, here's a lady that makes a living, right? In a a way that, you know, church people don't. How'd she know? Well, I would think she must have heard him speak, probably from the edge of the crowd, right? There was always a crowd when Jesus spoke, and she was probably on the perimeter because guilty people know that they do not fit in. But they still seek for hope, for hope in Christ. I want you to think about that. And I want you to remember that. That guilty people know they don't fit in. But they still need hope. And they seek for hope. They seek for hope. And they know the hope is only in God. Never be the one that stops someone, even the guilty, from coming to Christ. Never say, who are you to go to church? <laughs> people, everybody needs to go to God. And you know what I think the sin of the church is? To keep out the guilty. Yeah, that's the sin of the church. Guilty people are not welcome here. Only righteous people. No, man, that's the wrong idea of church. The church is for guilty people. It's for people that come to come to be washed clean, to be accepted, to be forgiven, to give hope to give a second chance at living. We sing a song around here every once in a while. Some of the words are, Take me back to the place that feels like home, to the people I can depend on. And then it says, Where they've seen me at my worst, oh, I want to go to church. It's not a trophy for the winners. It's a shelter for the sinners. And it's right where I belong It's the family of God. Oh, I want to go to church. Is that your attitude? Is your attitude that the church is the place where we can see people at their worst and still accept them and love them? Where people can have these breakdowns, these meltdowns, and we still embrace them? You know, I want, where do people get the idea you have to have it all together to go to church? I'm like, no, man, that's not what the church is for. Church is for broken people. It's for people that know that they can't put themselves back together. They're Humpty Dumpty Christians. And nobody can put them back together except God. And they come to the place where they hope and pray that God will put them back together and give them a life. 
So we have to have open arms to the broken, open arms to the guilty, open arms to those that are just, they're not making it in life. And the church is probably the only place other than the barroom where they'd be accepted for who they are. So in verse 39, Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, okay, these Pharisees, they always like talk to themselves. (laughs) And he said, probably mumbling, right? If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who's touching him, that she is a sinner. Now, it's funny, the next verse, it says Jesus answered him. But he wasn't even talking to Jesus. He was talking to himself. Ah, but Jesus knows the heart of every person. Oh, yeah. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. Sometimes I wish I could pull the blind over my heart so we can't see, but he can see. He sees every thought, every word. Oh, yeah. And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. Now, Simon called this woman a sinner. It's the word hamatia. And sinner simply means, hamatia, to miss the mark. To be short of perfection. So you know what that does? It puts us all in the same category. Everybody that's short of perfection is a sinner. If you can't hit the bullseye every time, you're a sinner. And that's us. But Jesus doesn't rebuke Simon the Pharisee. You know what he does? He tells a story. He often did that. He would just like, tell a story. So here's what he said in verse 21. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, a debtor is someone who owes something. We would call him an indebted person. Okay? A denarii would be a day's pay. So, one guy owed him 500 days pay. Almost a year and a half in wages. That was his debt. Another guy owed 50 days pay, almost two months. Big difference, right? Now, someone could be indebted to you. Maybe they borrowed money from you. Maybe you lent them a tool and they lost it, or they broke it, or they just haven't returned it. They left it out in the rain, it got rusty. Maybe they somebody said something hurtful to you, or said they, they said bad things about you to other people. So they're indebted to you. Now, granted, we're not downplaying the reality or the pain of these sins. But verse 42, Jesus continues with the story. And he said, when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Notice how he puts in that adverb, graciously. He didn't say he forgave them. He graciously forgave them. Grace means grant as a favor. He didn't have to do it. He could have said, pay me what you owe me. You're going to jail. I'll get a lawyer. He said, he graciously, as a favor, forgave them both. 
The one that owed 50 days pay? The one that owed 500 days pay? And Jesus asked the question, which one of them will he love, will love him more? Now remember, we're talking about grace. We're learning how to live in grace, how to receive it, how to give it. So Jesus asked the question, Simon, two men were forgiven, one a big debt, one a little debt. Which one will love the forgiver more? And Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. <laughs> Simon's like, uh-oh, I think I know where this is going. He said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you've judged correctly. That's right, Simon. And then turning toward the woman. Now, most people look away from someone like this. Perhaps some of you. You don't even want to look at the person that sinned against you, that hurt you, right? I know sometimes I'm like that too. I don't want to see that person. But Jesus is different. Jesus looks at her, but he talks to Simon. And he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. See, in those days, obviously, people walked everywhere. And when you were invited to someone's home as a guest, someone would be at the door, and they would have a bowl of water, and they would wash your feet and wipe them. They would refresh you. You know, your feet would be clean, and you'd be refreshed and kind of come alive a little bit. And Jesus said, you know, Simon, you invited me to your home. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. You didn't treat me like a guest. But this woman, she washed my feet with tears of sorrow. She washed my feet with the overflow of her soul and wiped them with her hair. He said, you gave me no kiss. That was another thing. When someone came to a home as a guest, they get a greeting, a kiss, a greeting on the cheek, right? You know, you've seen that in the Middle Eastern countries, European countries, not so much in America, but in other countries, like, on each kiss, each, each cheek, right? And it's a, it's a greeting. It's a nice to see you kind of a message. Jesus said, you gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, She's not ceased to kiss my feet. She didn't kiss my cheeks. She kissed my feet, Simon. My feet. He said to her, You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. That was another tradition. When a guest came into your home, you refreshed them with perfume, with oil, make them smell good. Kind of, you know, it's like, Guys slapping on aftershave, a lady's putting on perfume, it kind of stimulates the skin a little bit, right? Jesus said, you didn't, you didn't do that for me. But she had this expensive perfume. Oh, very expensive. And she anointed my feet with her perfume. And by the way, this perfume, very expensive, because it was in an, in an alabaster vial. 
Alabaster is expensive. So if the container is expensive, you know the, the contents are expensive, right? Like when you buy a fine piece of jewelry. Even the box costs a lot of money. But if you buy junk jewelry, they put it in a little cardboard box. No offense, but you know, right? So this perfume was purchased not just with her body, but with her own soul. She paid for that perfume with her soul. It cost her her soul because, like I said, sexual sin is a sin against the soul. And because it cost her soul, that made it very precious, very expensive. And now, Jesus gives the lesson for the whole world to hear. This is for us today, too. Verse 47, Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, Simon, her sins, which are many, Jesus is not excusing her behavior. He's saying, man, she's got a lot of sin. Oh, yeah. But he's forgiving it. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. You see, and this is why it's a good lesson for us. When you forgive someone, you are not excusing them. Maybe sometimes people have a hard time excuse, uh, forgiving someone because they think they're letting them off the hook. Or they're saying, oh, that's no big deal, or like it didn't happen. No, you're not excusing them. Not at all. But you are granting them grace. That's what you're doing when you forgive them. You're granting them grace. Remember the guy that was owed the money? He graciously forgave them. He did it as a favor. When you forgive someone, you're doing them a favor, a grace favor. Okay? It doesn't mean what they did didn't happen. It wasn't hurtful or painful. But you're bestowing a godly favor upon them, just like God does with us. So Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, oh yeah, they've been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who was forgiven little, loves little. Can you see what's going on here? Simon the Pharisee, in his own self-sufficiency. That's what he was, self-sufficient, self-righteous. Simon could not see his own sins, and therefore he felt no need for forgiveness. That's why we have to realize, wait a minute, because we're all imperfect, we're all sinners. Boom, that's end of story. We're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. Everybody, everybody needs a savior. But Simon, he felt no need for that. But the woman, she knew she needed forgiveness. And you know what's so great about her? She sought for it. She's like, I know my life is bad. I know I'm a mess. I know I make bad choices. But I'm going after God. And I'm going to seek forgiveness and restoration. See, you never want to let your sin keep you from God. 
You want your sin to draw you to God. You know, it's like when you're all dirty, you don't run from the bathtub. You're drawn to the bathtub. You need to get clean. You need to wash up, right? So this woman, oh, she needed a bath. Oh, yeah. And she got one. She was made squeaky clean. I like what William Barclay said. He said, It is true to say that the greatest of sins is to be conscious of no sin. Man, that's true. And you know what? That's what sends people to hell. When they're not conscious of their sin, then they think they don't need a Savior. And they die lost in their sins. And they end up in the lake of fire for all of eternity. Why? Because they never saw their sins. So he said, that's the greatest of all sins, to be conscious of no sin. And I add to that, that is what prevents us from forgiving others. See, if you're not conscious of your own sins, you're going to have a hard time forgiving other people because they just, they look so bad compared to you. But when you're aware of your own sin and how much God has forgiven you, it's a lot easier to forgive other people for what they've done. Because you know that God has forgiven you of things. And you know you got those secret sins, right? Oh, yeah. you got stuff going on in your life. Maybe it's just in your mind. That's all. Just your mind. And nobody knows but you and God. And God has forgiven you. So the greatest awareness we can have is an awareness of our own personal sin life. Because with that, if we put ourselves on the same level as others. And now we can forgive. We can forgive others because we have been forgiven. We are all in the same boat. To borrow a figure of speech from whoever said that whenever they did, I don't know. But we are. We're all in the same boat. We need forgiveness. We receive it from God. And then we give it. And that's why, thankfully, in grace, through Christ, God has forgiven us. That if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have total forgiveness. What did I say? Total forgiveness. Complete forgiveness. Even for the things you haven't done yet, Christ died for the sins you haven't even committed. So how can he do that? Because when he died 2,000 years ago, you didn't commit any sins because you weren't born. But yet he took all the sins that you would commit and he took them upon himself and he paid the price. And then when you came to him for salvation, he granted you forgiveness and a clean slate. And now he says, as I have forgiven you. And isn't it in that model for prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. Their trespasses against us. So we all hurt each other, and we all need forgiveness. We hurt people, we need to be forgiven. People hurt us, we need to forgive them. Don't go through life with a heart of unforgiveness. You know why? Because you'll never know forgiveness. You'll never experience it. You'll never feel the freedom of the chains coming off. You won't feel the freedom of being made clean and wholesome. And you know, the Bible talks about that root of bitterness 
that if you don't forgive, if you come short of the grace of God, this root of bitterness wells up inside of us. And you know what it says? By it, many others are defiled. We spoil it for everybody else in our life when we are bitter. Who wants to be around a bitter person? Only bitter people. (laughs) I would say, not happy people. Forgiveness is key. Look at this world today. Look at the chaos, the pandemonium of this world. If there was forgiveness, this world would be totally different. Russia wouldn't be invading Ukraine. Hamas wouldn't be attacking Israel. China wouldn't be seeking world domination. People would get along. Because when you forgive, you're free. When you're free, you can love. And when you can love, we're all at peace. And that's what we look for. We're trying to find peace, but we've got all the steps to get there. They're all missing. They're all gone. And that's why we'll never find the peace outside of God's forgiveness. That's where we need to go. That's where we need to be. So just remember that bullseye. Nobody hits it every time. It puts us all on equal ground before the cross. And the more forgiveness you realize you need, and the more conscious of your own sin you are, the more you'll be able to take that forgiveness that God has given you and give it to others and forgive them. Just like giving a gift. You give a gift to someone, makes them happy, makes you happy. So you give the gift of forgiveness and it makes you happy and it makes them happy. I'll tell you what, this is one you got to pass around. You got to pass this around and go to the Hope Club podcast. You know, we can change a lot of circumstances through forgiveness. We can change family dynamics. We can change workplace environments. Even in the church, oh, the church has a lot of dysfunction. You know why? Because we're all flawed. We're all flawed, all of us. And that's why forgiveness is so important. It keeps the church one and unified. We don't want to fill it with self-righteous people. We want to fill it with forgiven people. I hope this meant something to you today and kind of help you in that regard. Go to the Hope Club podcast. Look for that message, Grace and the Big Dead. It's all about true forgiveness. Tell a friend to listen, and I'll see you next time.